Hello, Bridge Builders! I'm here with some exciting news. The first volume of interviews is now available on Amazon.com. The link can be found at eatlunchandboardgame.com. I promise that all proceeds from sales of this book will go right back into this podcast and channel. Whether that is new and better audio equipment for the podcast, or video equipment for the YouTube channel, or even more games to review, the money will not be wasted. Click over to Amazon and get your copy of Eat Lunch and Board Game, the first course today. And thank you for supporting the show. Recently, the son and I played Skulls of Sedlick, designed by Dustin Dobson, with art by Marty Cobb and Marianne Wage, and published by Buttonshy Games. Now, I have never hidden my love for Buttonshy Games. Universal Rule and Envito Morte are some of my favorite games by them. I realized that I had the base game of Skulls and all the expansions. I was one of the over 1,000 people who backed the original campaign in March of 2020 and one of the 2,000 plus backers of its expansion just this past October in 2021. I also had the other expansions from PMP Arcade, so I figured I had all these files. I should give it a try. In Skulls of Sedlik, you are stacking skulls in the Sedlik Ossuary. Now, this is a real chapel in the Czech Republic. I was not aware of its actual existence until writing this review. It is an interesting place for sure as I went down a small rabbit hole learning about the chapel and what an ossuary is. Thank you, Wikipedia. It never ceases to amaze me what I learned because of board games. And I will put links to those Wikipedia pages in the show notes. Schools of Sedlik plays two or three players, takes about 20 minutes to play, suitable for ages 8 and up. For the mechanics, the theme might be a bit more mature as you are stacking skulls. On Board Game Geek, it has a 7.5 rating with 714 reviews, and let's see if this makes the list of favorite games from Buttonshy Games, shall we? Back to the Board Game. I'm your host, Adam Collins. Now let's dig in to the review of Skulls of Sedlik. Rule Clarity. As with most 18 card games from Button Shy Games, the rules are well written. The ability to consistently make rules so clear shows the understanding of Jason Tagmire and his team. Time to explain to newcomers. Skulls of Sedlik takes uh, about I'd say five minutes to explain. I had no problems explaining the rules to the sun, and, well, he's nine. Gameplay. The object of Skulls of Sedlik is to build a pyramid of skulls, maximizing the point potential of the skulls on each of your cards. In a two-player game, each player is building a pyramid of nine cards. Four in the base, three in the middle, two on top. In a three-player game, a six-card pyramid of three, two, one is being built. To set up, shuffle the 18 cards and make 6 stacks of 3 cards each. This creates the graveyard. Then randomly flip over a top card from one of the stacks. The first player is the last person to have visited a cemetery. On a turn, the active player has 3 options. Dig. Flip a card face up in the graveyard. Collect. Take a face up card from the graveyard into their hand. Or stack. Place a card from their hand into their pyramid. If you dig, you flip one card face-up from the pile. If all the stacks have a face-up card on them, you cannot dig this turn. 
to collect, you take any card into your hand. However, there is a hand limit of only two cards. So, if you already have two cards in your hand, you cannot collect no matter how desperately you might need or want that face-up card mocking you in the graveyard pile. Also, if no piles have a face-up card, you cannot collect. Finally, you can choose to stack, which is to place a card from your hand into your pyramid. You must start on the bottom of your pyramid, but you can stack upwards if that card would be supported by two cards below it. You may never build outside the parameters of the pyramid, so never having five in the bottom row. And once you place a card in your pyramid, it cannot be moved, so build carefully. The game ends when everyone has completed the required pyramid. The cards could have one or two of the five different types of skulls on them, and each skull scores differently. It is important to note that each card has two skulls, and the cards must be played in the portrait orientation with the lettering readable to the player. This means the cards cannot be rotated in any fashion. Each card is considered a row, but each skull is considered a level. This means that each card contains two levels, and the skulls on the same card are adjacent, but a skull on the top of one card is not adjacent to a skull on the bottom of a card in the same row. Now let's look at the five different types of skulls. The royalty skulls are adorned with a crown and are on a purple background. These skulls want to be above peasants and other royalty, and they score one point for each skull matching that description. If they're on the same level, that does not count. They must be on a lower level or row. The peasant skulls are on a yellow background, and they are just happy to be displayed at all. They're worth one point each, no matter where they are in your placement in the pyramid. The priest skulls have a white beretta and a golden cross on a blue background. They want to be spread throughout the pyramid and score two points each for every level that they are displayed on. If you have two priests in the same level, it still only counts as two points. The criminals feature a dagger through the eye socket on a gray background. In death, the criminals want to repent and score two points if they are adjacent to a priest. Lastly, the romantics have two flowers adorning their skulls on a red background. They yearn to be buried next to their loved ones. Three points per pair of romantic adjacent lovers. And the highest score wins. Replayability. When the son and I sat down to play the game, it took us about 15 minutes to play and then a few more to score it. After declaring his victory, the next two words out of his mouth were, play again? I obliged. I changed my strategy a little, but came to the same end. Another defeat. Another game ending 21-27. to 27. So, we reshuffled the deck and played a third time. This time I adapted from my two losses and scored a massive 30 points. Yet, the Sun scored 31. This led me to believe that clearly this game was broken. The next day, we played for a fourth time, and I once again changed my way of play, and I finally beat him. That means we played Skulls of Sedlik four times in two days, three of which were in such a quick succession we didn't even get up from the table. This should prove the replayability and drawing power of this game. Artwork. Each of the skulls has features to make it easy to tell them apart. Apart from the colors and adornments I already mentioned, each skull also has a shield to help differentiate them. The royalty has a shield with a crown on it. The peasants have a single diagonal bar. 
Priests feature a cross. Criminals have an X. And romantics have a heart. The skulls themselves fit the theme very well. They are not grotesque in any way, yet they are not cartoonish. The art by Marty Cobb and Marianne Wage walks that line very well. Other. There really is no other for the skulls of Sedlick unless you count the scoring sheet that they offer on the PMP Arcade website. Of course, I have it, printed it, and laminated it. It does make scoring fairly easy to do. The score sheet is very reminiscent of the score sheet used in Seven Wonders. Lunchtime Potential I wish that back in 2015-2016 I had known about Buttonshy games, but they were just starting out back then. I was searching for two-player games as my lunchtime group was struggling to rebound from layoffs. It would have been a match made in heaven. I am just glad that I have heard of them now. All the games from them that I own are playable over a lunch hour. Many of them can be played twice or even three times. Skulls of Sedlick is no exception. This amazing two or three player game can be played at least twice, probably three times over a lunch hour. It would make a perfect lunch half hour game if that is more your speed. It truly is all around a great game for any time. Component quality. You can buy Skulls of Sedlick from the Buttonshy website. The cards and wallets that Buttonshy uses are of fine quality. I have nothing against them, but you can also buy the PDF off PNP Arcade and print them yourself. Personally, I have the PDF files for this game. There are other Buttonshy games that I have the production copy of, like Tussie Mussy and Seasons of Rice. I wish I did have the production copy of Skulls and Universal Rule, because these games are going to see a lot of playing time. Maybe I'll buy them sometime soon. Bang for the buck. PMP Arcade should be one place that you sign up for their email list. They have so many amazing games that you can download right away. They start at $0. At the recording of this episode, Schools of Sedlick is on sale from its usual $3 for $1, and it is totally worth the $3, so it's a no-brainer at $1. There are plenty of expansions for $1, too. I will review those expansions in just a minute. Off the Buttonshy website, the game is $12 for the base game, and it comes in that nice wallet I talked about earlier. It is well worth the money to buy this game in its production quality, and I'll be looking forward to a chance to buy it soon. Expansions Each of the six card expansions adds a new type of skull to the pile. Each one scores differently, yet completely on theme with the game. There are six skulls of four of the new types, and five of them for the other two. The only rule change, other than the new skull, is that you may now play with four players, where each player will construct a pile of skulls in a 3-2-1 pattern. If you play with two or three players, the pyramid parameters do not change, so there will be cards left over. These cards could be in your hand or in the piles. However, once a player completes their pyramid, they can no longer dig or collect. They are done and must wait while the other players finish playing. The cards in their hand, though, are out of play. This does lead to some tough decision-making, but also some early finisher remorse. A card that you really needed never fails to come up as soon as you finish your pyramid. I would also like to quickly point out that each of these expansions must be played separately with the base game, and each one adds about 5 minutes to the overall game time. This is where that score sheet I mentioned earlier really comes in handy. Executioners The first expansion to Skulls of Sedlick sees the arrival of the Executioner Skulls. 
These skulls are wearing a brown executioner-style hood on a reddish background. The associated shield features an axe. The executioners like to be close to their handiwork. They are worth one point regardless of their placement, just like a peasant, but also one point for each criminal in a chain connection. This means that the executioner itself might only be adjacent to one criminal, but if that criminal is adjacent to two other criminals, then the executioner is worth one point for its base, plus three points for criminals for a total of four points. You can really maximize some points if you can get some priests, executioners, and criminals placed cleverly in your pyramid. Poets. The poets join the graveyard in 2021. They are embellished with a rough and gray hair and a deep red background. The shield has a quill on it. These skulls score four points per adjacent unpaired romantics. The poets love forlorn lovers. I like this expansion as it allows me to score a pair for three and my failed pair, which I always seem to collect, for an additional eight points. Castle Guards. The castle guards are decked out with a knight's helmet. They are on a teal background with a castle tower emblazoned on their shield. These guards want to protect their royalty even in death. They score one point no matter their placement, again like the peasants, but also one point per royalty beneath them. A lot of points can be accumulated by placing the castle guards with royalty and peasants. Zealots. As part of the recent expansion pack that just came out, Zealots joined the game. They are hooded skulls on a tan background with a different style cross on the shield. Since they are intensely religious, they want to have as many priests above or below them as possible. They score one point for every priest above or one point for every priest below. That is an or, not an and. You get to score the higher of the two numbers, but you need to plan your pyramid carefully. Merchants. Also, part of the expansion pack are the merchants. They have a feathered beret on a green background with a money bag on their shield. There are only five of these skulls instead of the usual six. Merchants like peasants because they buy their wares, so they score two points for every adjacent peasant. However, the merchants do not like the thieving criminals who want to steal from them, so it is a negative two points for adjacent criminals. Champions. The last new type from the recent expansion pack are champions. The champions are wearing a jousting-style helmet with a ribbon tied around it from their type of supporter. They score one point per connected supporter, like the executioner scoring. The champion shields feature a horse head silhouette. There are only five champions, as there are only five types of skulls. It would have been weird to have a champion's champion. Solo play. There have been two separate releases of solo play rule packs and a few other solo play promo cards. I have not dabbled with a solo play yet, but I might over my lunch hour when no one else is around to play. Summary. Well, I will go ahead and say it. Skulls of Sedlik will join the pantheon of amazing games by Button Shy Games. I have reached out to the creator and he's going to be a guest on the show in a few weeks. I cannot stress enough how enjoyable this game is. It is the right amount of strategy and luck that makes for a refreshing game to play after a stressful day. The son and I are making our way through the expansions, and he is playing the solo variants while I'm busy. Schools of Selleck scratches a lot of itches. If you haven't paused this episode to go get your copy, do so now. 
As usual, you can reach out to me at eatlunchandboardgame.com. Email me at eatlunchandboardgame at gmail.com. Or find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash eatlunchandboardgame. And remember, board games build bridges. When you're gaming, why not be comfy? Go over to supportplayer.org. Click on the cards, pieces, and dice to get some merch. These t-shirts are some of the most comfortable I have ever worn. That's supportplayer.org, and there's a link on eatlunchandboardgame.com.